So as we practice in our meditation practice, our Dhamma practice, as well as in our daily lives, uh, one of the, uh, what we tend to be very much involved with and what comes to the foreground of our attention is we say that the, the contents of the mind, or the contents of citta, contents of the heart, these are the uh, concerns, worries, uh, aspirations, um, wishes, um, uh, and turbulences, some we understand, some we don't really understand. Um, you know, and even energetic changes, we feel suddenly very heavy, or whoa, you know, ungrounded, or spinning, or hyperactive. These, these become things we, wow, what's going on here? And just as in our daily lives, the content becomes the preoccupation. And this is, uh, this is also the case when we do a retreat. And although clearly the content is uh, stirring, um, sometimes beautiful, sometimes problematic, there's another set of references to make, which is the framework. Just as with a picture or painting on the, on the wall, you notice the, the picture, the image, and the frame is not really that important at all. Mm. Uh, of course, the frame holds the picture there, and places it. And uh, in Dhamma practice, the frame is very important. In fact, in many cases, the frame is more important than the content. Because if you hold to get the right frame, the content will sort of change by itself. <laughs> it's the nature of mind. As they say, sabe sankara nichao, formations or mental formations or conditions are transient. Uh, that's their nature. All dhammas, all phenomena that arise, that are felt, are not self. Now this is just a, you know, a piece of teaching that we may think... Uh-huh. But here I am <laughs> in this. Uh, certainly feels like me. But we notice the feeling. And so, even a teaching like Sabedama and Atta, whatever is directly experienced, felt, mm. contact is made, chitra is stirred. That is um, chitta being stirred. Um, now, we, of course, that we take very personally, and yet the person is really, uh, that sense of person gets in the way because then the person feels, starts reacting to it. I don't want it. Why is it like this? How can I stop it? This is great. I won't get more of this. And this reactivity is a major uh, cause of hindrance called upadana, clinging. Now we may, we may uh, in fact, assume we only cling to things that are agreeable, but this isn't by any means the case. It's not that we cling, it's that clinging occurs. 
and I arise as a result, that experience of me arises as a result of clinging around feeling or perception, mental formations, volitions, um, form, whatever is directly sensed touches the citta directly, which means certain things, it's not seen, it's not heard, it's just felt, tonal, um, stirring, uh, resonant, poignant, delightful. That's what jitter experiences, these tonal felt qualities, sanya, vedana, and around that the stirring of the jitta, the uncertain jitta, then grasps it, either to try to defend itself from it, or to throw it out, or push it out, or to grasp it in order to get it and keep hold of it. It's like a reflex, like a knee jerk, where it touches and it grabs it. And then the sense of me arises as a result of that. Of course, this is very quick. But the sense of me arises at the moment of perception hits the citta. It happens to me. Now, you can change the word. That doesn't necessarily change the experience. (laughs) What changes the experience is that instead of the reaction, oh, wow, I want more of that, or, oh, no, terrible, something's going wrong. Uh, What am I supposed to do is just, uh uh-huh, Mm. the the resonance of the feeling the impression could just ripple through takes a while Mm. you you know you step back let it pass and what was that Mm. so we can't immediately stop the sense of me which is the impression of being touched by things but we can work on the, the experience of reaction to it, which is where the I gets established. I try. I want. I've got it. I shouldn't have it. The I. This is a sankara. So you can't immediately work on the sanya as it touches you. You, can, you definitely can do work on it. But your first thing is really to work with the sankara, which is the reaction to it. What is it that causes the mind to just, okay, let that one move, let it pass through, unpleasant feeling, unpleasant perception, disappointing perception, frustrating perception. What does it take to do that? A lot of faith, courage. This is where you build it up. Because naturally, if it's a disagreeable feeling, I mean, for sure, the chitta wants to defend itself against that. No, don't want it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be unpleasant, would it? <laughs> That's what it means. It means there's a sense of, no, I don't want it. That that defensiveness, that trying to block it, that 
trying to reject it creates a particular energy in the mind and we stirred and sankara reactivity and it's because it's a reaction it's um, blind blind avijja blind reaction So we, in this way, unfortunately, the upadana injects more avijja into the mind. So remember that basically the real underlying underlying topic is avijja, ignorance. Feeling, there will be unpleasant feeling of this, you can be sure. Physical feeling and mental feeling. There will be unpleasant mental feeling, feeling of uh, insecurity, um, fear, fear over fear over somebody else's welfare. Oh dear, I think she's really going to be in trouble here. Feel nervous. That's you don't see you, you don't enjoy that. That's unpleasant. Fear over the future. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Next fifty years look pretty difficult. Fear. I don't want that. Anxiety over the retreat, or how things are going, or all kinds of qualities of fear, fear of failure, fear of being wrong, fear of making a mistake, subtle social fears, fears of being looked down upon. Mm. Yeah. So there are many of these that don't want it. Now if we really get to the root of all these emotional reactions, you can see that fear is a very large, is a good foundation for many of them. We don't want that unpleasant feeling. Then of course aversion is another one. We, we really uh, get sour and, and Rage kind of tightens up to repel the unpleasant feeling. <coughs> we fight with it. Particularly physical feeling, you find yourself, get that feeling out of my leg, get out, I don't want it, I don't want it. You know? And then, of course, uh, even more the case, mental feeling, this person drives me nuts. She's driving me nuts, I can't stand it. You know, we get angry because you want to get when you look at it you may think it's her but it's actually the, the feeling that's the problem <laughs> you know she's domineering tyrannical, doesn't listen always takes over da, 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 and this feeling of being overwhelmed and pushed and forced and you fight back this rage anger comes up unpleasant feeling now we may very well think oh I, I don't want to be angry so we just sort of stuff it down and try to patiently bear with it <laughs> pressure building up hold it down bear with it 
<laughs> which is probably in many cases better than just blowing up but uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, you know release that you know, in fact you can get so frustrated, you know, pent up emotion then you go and lose your temper on somebody else <laughs> you know. so really it's these disagreeable emotions that we don't feel very proud of and feel, feel ashamed of sometimes and really you can't exactly deal with that you can moderate it you can deflect it but ideally if you get to the moment when the, the quality of unpleasant feeling is occurring either because somebody's arguing with you somebody's not cooperating you know somebody's pushing you around somebody's not you know you get disagreeable feeling you know when you get that sense of something starting to stir <laughs> and you feel a, you know a little bit of agitation occurring or get there put your attention right there and careful now now just you know. remember we're not here to make other people be a certain way we're here to purify to get our heart out of suffering so how do we have unpleasant feeling is it possible to step out of the scenario out of the story out of the circumstance and just go to this fundamental position of being associated with what you dislike dukkha and it's like that and it's, it seems strange but you know this is the model for mindfulness anyway and other areas of our life certainly we can change this or change that or you know do various things but with mindfulness we're really getting right into Chitta itself. And this is your this is your task, your exercise, how to sustain the pre- be present with unpleasant feeling, whether it's coming because a feeling associated with yourself, you know, you can't you're not strong enough, you you know, you know your mind wanders, it's disagreeable, I don't feel I can make it, that's disagreeable or associated with someone else in the present, the past or the future or the world in general <laughs> you name it unpleasant feeling chitta is like this it's defending, contracting, agitating is it possible step back out of the person out of the particular event out of the story just the sense of the agitation and stress in the chitta is like this now that that frames it mindfulness is sometimes referred to as a frame of reference this is a term that Ajantanissaro uses I think it's a helpful term because it puts a frame around it this is happening to chitta 
This is not you and me and her and them. This is an experience happening to chitta. It's the way it frames it. Now you could frame it another way. You know, this is my husband or my wife not doing what I wanted to do. You could look at it like that. and That's one way of working with it. But in um, mindfulness, meditation, then you're dealing with this very rudimentary foundational experience of things, people, not being the way that feels comfortable, agreeable, and the stress and the impact of that. Feeling. How you knowing the jitta affected by feeling is this. The jitta, it, it contracts, it tightens, it agitates, it stirs. And when you, when you withdraw from the topic and are attentive, sympathetic, not by any means approving of it, but just, oh, it's like that. It begins to change. <laughs> because Sabesankara Anicca, all conditioned formations, that's a conditional formation, are changeable. You shift and move just by the power of framing it and not adding more sankara to it and not adding more self to it. Again, these are, these are not just words. It's not just saying the word, this is not self. That doesn't do it. It's the sense of, I mean, certain qualities give rise to the sense of self. One is, it's intimate. It's really happening right here, you know, in in the in my being, right here. It's happening right here. It's intimate. It's not so. It's intimate. Yeah. It's also familiar. Here she goes again. Here I go again. It's a familiar track. Oh, so that's what I am because what's familiar and intimate, known. That is experienced as the most constant, central feature of your experience. If it's familiar, right? It's the most. It's often. It's got a certain. You can recognise it. It's, it's got a. It's a certain constancy to it. If it's intimate, it seems to be right here. So that experience of that which is familiar and intimate, we call it, or experience it as myself. What else would you call it? Call it myself. What else is myself apart from that which is intimate and familiar? Well, what is intimate and familiar is Chitta Sankara. <laughs> now, the formations, the mental formations, the mental conditions, the mental sankharas, the mental constructions. Because actually, they're not constant. You know, when, when the mind is mesmerized by them, it seems like, wow, I'm really, this is the kind of person I am, basically. 
particularly if, if it happens a lot. And then we step out, this is witnessing that. So what's that? What is it that's able to witness that? Surely that's even more fundamental. And also I do have to bear in mind that sometimes I'm a fairly relaxed, happy person. Sometimes I'm a generous person. Sometimes I, I do keep a precept or two. Sometimes five, sometimes eight. Oh yeah, so what happened to that angry person then? She wasn't there. What happened to that angry me then? She wasn't there. So that's not myself, is it? It's a mood that runs through. What does it run through? It runs through chitta. Now, the, um, oh, that sounds reasonable. What's this jitter then? How can I see that? Well, you can't, because it's that which sees. You can't know it because it's that which knows. It's like you can't see your eyeball. You can't see your eyes. But the fact that you can see indicates you have eyes. <laughs> Similarly, you can, you can, the fact that you can feel feel immaterial phenomena how can you feel a thought you could obviously your body can feel physical contact how can you feel yeah how can you get a feeling out of what somebody says it's just sound isn't it where does the feeling arise how do you get a feeling out of the way somebody behaves it's just the body moving around doing things, isn't it? How do you get a? How do you get a feeling? Jab you, jump into you. Because chitta, because chitta is that which feels, and it uh, everything that is directly sensed touches it. And all our ideas get translated. All our immaterial phenomena. Perceptions, ideas, notions, concerns, joys, sorrows get translated by manas, which is another aspect of mind, into this direct felt touch. And manas is the organizing aspect of mind, which says, wait a minute, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock, she shows to be mopping the floor. That's what it says. Because it says here, 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock, yogis mop floor. Yogis mop the kitchen floor. Right. What is it? 12 o'clock, yogis mop, mop kitchen floor. It says that. She's not mopping the kitchen floor. She's wandering off having a walk. Doing, doing. Says this, she's doing that. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> and then, how dare she? Who does she think she is? Everybody has to work hard here. Why is she not fitting in? Da, 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 da. I didn't. Get, uh, people have no discipline. Da, 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 da. And it's woo. How did that happen? Just out of somebody else's seeing somebody else. Or manas does the arithmetic. This is what it is. This is what it says on the board. This is what she's doing. Wrong result. Wrong. Bang. Feeling. Oh, wrong. <laughs> 
Yeah, or then, you know, it says they're here, 12 o'clock, you know, I don't know, you know, a couple of people mop the floor, kitchen floor, and you didn't, you didn't notice, and you missed it. And then, oh goodness, you look in the afternoon, you see your name was on the board to mop the floor, think, oh my God, I'm stupid. I suppose that, everybody noticed that. Somebody had to work twice as hard because I'm too stupid and mindless on a meditation retreat to even look at the time. Oh, you idiot. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Jab, jab, jab. Feeling. Dukkha Vedana. <laughs> what happened? What happened was you looked at a, some symbols on a piece of paper, did the deduction and came up with this result, wrong. And the wrong was you. Bang, feeling, Dukkha Vedana. How do you deal with that? Well, yeah. Okay, breathe out. Let's get the feet on the floor. Relax that tangled feeling in the belly, that palp palpation in the heart. Here we are, right, new moment. <laughs> uh, go and see the manager, say, I'm terribly sorry, forgot this, that, and the other. She'll probably say, never mind, it's everybody does that, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, sense of tremendous, you know, I love, the, I love the manager, she's so sweet. Until tomorrow she tells me I've got to do this, and I think, why is she domineering and pushing me around? Still coveted enough. You know, you get these things get under your skin and dig in you, you know? Because one, you know, <laughs> the me wants to be right. Fears being wrong. Sometimes it just happens. We make a mistake. We have an accident. We feel sick. Something goes wrong. You know. Okay. It's acceptance. Humility. We always apologise afterwards, but you don't want. You know, if that helps to clear the sankara of guilt and regret and recrimination, go ahead. That's a good idea. But also, right now, just the f that sense of, I have done wrong. But now you're not doing wrong, are you? Now, now you're just feeling a feeling. Now you're not doing wrong. You may, five years ago, have done wrong. You may have done wrong yesterday, but right now, you're witnessing a feeling. That's not wrong or even right. It's just that's what's happening. And in that, that's the bareness of mindfulness. Feelings like this. Taking it personally is like this. The ta how it tangles it and makes it go on longer, taking it personally. 
makes it longer. Attributing it to somebody else, it's her fault, that makes it longer. <laughs> Goes on longer. And this is how you create karma. You end up seeing her always as that, and you're always this, and the story begins, and it completely distorts relationship. Could we just, you know, realize the hell hell realm we could create for ourselves? Just look, I'd sooner just accept feeling it. And this is not so easy, but this is what we begin to learn. You know, things go wrong. We go wrong. It doesn't feel good. And now, now we're not doing wrong. You're not doing wrong now, you're doing the Buddha's Dhamma right now. Hold the feeling, don't react. Use your attention to widen, soften, because if your mind is wider and softer, it's more easily able to receive feeling in a way that causes it to dissolve. If your mind is hard and sharp, it doesn't. So the attention and the intention is now not to get rid of it, not to try to understand it or explain it, but just to sustain presence of mind with that and maintain this sense of feeling it. That frames it, that limits your mental activities. It puts a frame around it and it allows it to pass on. In its passing, as you feel more balanced, then you can begin to see, aha, uh-huh, feeling is now past. Now I can begin to review, hmm, what was the trigger for that? I've got, I've got a very strong tendency to like things to be neat and tidy. That's not bad, but that's definitely a tendency I have to be careful of because not everybody's going to do that and I'm going to start feeling annoyed. (laughs) So I like things to be what I call neat and tidy, but I've got to also accept that's my way of looking at it. It's a good way, but okay. Otherwise, I'm just going to get so agitated. In a monastery, naturally, you know, you want everybody to (laughs) behave well. (laughs) And they try. People really try, but, you know, it's difficult. Because, you know, we're not machines. You can't just give a person a series of instructions and then to do it. We're creatures with karma, so people who get bad days, good days, days when they feel really uh, intense, days when they feel groggy and stupefied, days when their minds aren't behaving well, it just, it's karma. So you say, okay, right, right, here we are, okay, let's do the retreat, right, everybody just get here on time, and then somebody turns up late. Okay, turn up late. You can't even turn up on time. 
Okay, monks, let's all sit right now. When you sit, hold your body up straight and bend over, nodding. I can't even sit up straight. <laughs> okay, let's lift up the chanting. The chanting, growl, grumble, growl, grumble. Could you please lift the tone up? Can't chant, can't chant, can't sit. <laughs> Crazy. And then, look, he's left his shoes are not neatly in order in the shoe rack. They're right by the door. Everybody has to stumble over them. There's a shoe rack. Put your shoes in the shoe rack. Put your sandals in the shoe rack. Is it so difficult to put your sandals in the shoe rack instead of leaving them by the door? Where are you going to walk over them? And it's like getting really pretty angry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made a practice out of the shoe rack. Because in the monastery you have a, a corridor, and this corridor you've got a a door that leads into the main hall, which is at the end of the corridor, and also a door that comes in from the side of the corridor, which is to the kitchen, and another door coming down the stairs. So you have three doorways meeting, and another door going down into the cellar. There's four doorways meeting at this one point. And that's the point where everybody likes to stand and talk. Because <laughs> that's where, when you open the door, you see somebody say, hello. Because you just opened a door, so you see somebody. Hello. They say, look, could, look. If you move like one meter away, there's a big space where you could stand and talk. Plenty of room. You're standing right in the doorway where four doorways are meeting. And they look at you like, oh. You know, so you have a little sign, and then this is where the shoe rack is. It's, Please put your shoes in the shoe rack. There's a sign. Please put your shoes in the, and the shoe rack has got at least four or five levels on it for, for sandals to go on and this is great sprawl <laughs> of trainers and shoes because it's the, it's the lay people's kitchen so the lay people also leave their sandals there so it's a great mountain of boots and sandals and the shoe rack maybe one or two <laughs> and there's a sign pointing with an arrow down it like you know, I just think, wait, I've just got to get a hold of this. This is driving me. I'm not going to live, go to, go to hell over a shoe rack. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at it and just go, check the feeling, check the feeling. It's like this now. And maybe next morning you could say, I wonder if I could remind people the shoe rack, uh, put your shoes in the shoe rack. Um, gently and the next day and so on and it goes on and then she just look at it with a sense of dispassion and equanimity <laughs> <laughs> and say oh thank you Shurak <laughs> let go a bit of my anger there <laughs> I won't go to hell over a Shurak anymore because it's not as bad as killing people <laughs> And so you look at it like that. Well, at least not killing anybody. At least you know, a bit careless, maybe. But, uh, the the, the uh, this, that, you get dukkha vedana over over things like this. We don't like it, and you can think, but I'm right. I'm right. It says so on the words. It says put your shoes. It's not that difficult. It only takes ten seconds. I'm right. I'm right. It's it's easy. I'm right. 
All that doesn't count. That's just making it worse. Being right is painful. <laughs> Don't be right. <laughs> Don't be wrong. Don't be right. They're both very painful experiences. Just be feeling. Yeah? Feeling you got it wrong is painful. Feeling you got it right and everybody else has got it wrong is just as painful. <laughs> What do you notice? This is Dukkha Vedana. And then you come out and just step back, think, well, actually, it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, and I can live with it. <laughs> and you get perspective. So, this sense of pausing, right? That's what, there's your pausing right there at the point of feeling, pause. Yeah, and knowing to do that, knowing how to do it, doesn't mean suppress. It doesn't mean wait till it's over. It just means stop the action now. Which means when you do that, this is why we don't like pausing, because when you stop the reaction, you feel the feeling. Ooh, I don't want this. I want to get away. Just hang in there. Hang in there. It won't last that long. I don't want it, I don't want it, just, you're not wanting it, doesn't help at all. <laughs> Change your intention to one of acceptance, rather than getting what I want. And just bear in mind this notion, this motto, something to learn here, something to learn, something to learn. You can get benefit out of this, just keep remembering that. Something to learn. Uh, widen your attention. Uh, hold the frame. If you can feel your body, feel your body. If you can't do that, at least just hold the hold the attention wide. And the sankara will will arise and subside and dissolve. Whew. And then you can review. I have a tendency to get, I have a tendency towards anger. Um, you know, and it may be around a number of things. But generally, it's when things or people aren't the way I want them to be. Or it's around when I'm not the way I want me to be. In fact, it's just around not getting what I want. It's best, therefore, to not want too much. <laughs> just, you know, lower the level of what you want. <laughs> I just want to get through without going to hell. <laughs> this is this patience. Then you learn something, you learn kanti. Patience, it just. Mm. And certainly, the, certainly, community life, I'm sure you have this. Community life is um, particularly renunciant community life where you can't get away. You can't get out for the evening out. You can't have some entertainment to wash it out. You just got to live with it. And live with good intentioned people 
who, like myself, make mistakes and sometimes don't even know it's a mistake. They don't think that shoes in the shoe rack is a particular issue. You know, it doesn't really affect them that much. And so on and so on and so on. Okay. Lower the expectation. They're really referring to what is possible now for you, for your chitta. So one of the um, main locking points, upadana points, clinging points, is called sila, sila bhatta paramasa, which is loosely translated, often translated as rites and rituals, which doesn't seem to mean be that relevant. It means systems and customs. It means conventions and rules. It means duties. Things we do repeatedly as a duty. Yeah. Uh, things we do as a custom. These are the structures of our lives, aren't they, as social beings. As people who try to operate in a group or in a pair or in a family or in anything like that, we have systems, rules, customs, protocols that frame it. it is called, and this is called sila vata. Sila vata. Vata means something that's repeated. Uh, uh, and, um, and the more complex our organizations are, the more of these there are. And uh, they have their purpose, naturally. Mm. And it's always a very subtle and mindful process to know how to use these without creating rigidity, intolerance, and so on. Because something in us likes that sense of security. I know definitely this is this. It says this, nine o'clock, that's what's going to happen at nine. There are 40 of these at nine o'clock. That's nice and clear. I feel, yeah, good. I don't want it to be some, you know, some at five past, some at ten to. I want it to be nice and steady, clear. And so, yeah, that's a reasonable wish. But... Um, <laughs> experience tells me this doesn't actually happen uh, because life though we can impose these structures on it for good, with good intention generally life happens in a rather more random and somewhat chaotic way people get sick, people have breakdowns people get upset, there's a crisis and so on and so on it just goes okay then we need to just bearing that in mind, just stretch a little bit here. Okay, let's adjust a little bit because what's the aim of this sila bhatta? This, this sense is that we can gather together in harmony. And so maybe we need to stretch it a little bit to, to allow this or refine it. And this constant moderation of it. So we're really using it to serve the group or the community or or ourself, in fact, 
You, know, you can get very strict with yourself. Okay, every morning up at four, every morning one hour meditation, every morning you do your Tai Chi for half an hour, and then you and then you know, eleven o'clock at night you get this emergency phone call from your nephew is in a crisis. You're talking to him for an hour on the phone, and you're worried all night long. You don't get up at four. You feel exhausted, and okay, that's what happens. <laughs> Doesn't mean that your your seal of utter is wrong. It just means it can only go so far. And then, as soon as you, you can reestablish it, but you really, sometimes it just has to. Now, the clinging that can occur makes us unable to do that. We're unable to flex wisely. We either just abandon it altogether or start getting intolerant and, and um, too cold about it all. And then you also recognize to what extent do I need that to feel okay? And this again touches into some rather intimate issues concerning our own sense of security. Um, ideally, my understanding is that deep security doesn't come from a structure of rules and protocols which are there for convenience. The sense of security comes from feeling welcome, feeling loved, feeling respected, you know, those qualities. You feel secure in yourself. You're welcome here. That's okay. You don't have to be something special. You're okay. There's where the security comes internally, a sense of inner confidence in yourself, in your own chitta. Yeah. And that has to be supported by the good intentions and the kindness of others constantly supported and re-established when we uh, make mistakes, as we do. And when we're children, we do it a lot. And still you want to come back and the wise parent says, okay, that wasn't so good, let's start again. And do you see why? You know, kindly. This is the way we should relate to our minds rather than get the rule book out and start getting annoyed about it all. So to my mind, my understanding, security comes from kindness, sympathy uh, of the heart. And the rules and customs are there to create a reasonable frame of reference. Now for some people it's not the case that they have that sense of inner security or it's rather weakened. They don't, haven't really experienced a lot of <coughs> acceptance and... Uh, and love and so forth, um, confidence, so they tend to seek security in external structures to hold it all together. And so when people have these kind of afflictions, they often spend a lot of time planning things out, working things out, planning things in advance so things will be nice and steady and get very strongly affected by that and then get very agitated if they can't get things right. You know, this is a sign to recognize. You can't get things right. So sila, vata, 
really orients around right and wrong. And but it's not based upon ethics, it's based upon duty. Did you clean the floor in the right way or not? Did you do a good job? Which is true, that's right and wrong. But that's maybe something we have to gradually learn, build up to. The most important reference of right and wrong is do you conduct yourself with a mind of goodwill, with a mind of conscience and concern, with a mind of attention? That's what we call right <laughs> in this Dhamma. Is your heart in the right place? Heart's in the right place, you will learn. You will learn how to do your duties better. And that's how you grow up. You know, when you grow up, if you can't get, ever get things wrong, how can you ever learn? And if wrong is just something, something that makes you frightened, how can you get things wrong? You have to learn to get things wrong. And, uh, okay, start again. A friend of mine was used to work making, he worked in an architect, for an architect, and his job was to make models. So maybe they could design a building, and he used to make a little model out of wood, which would be like you know, 50 times smaller than the building. And they, they, so there's a group of these students all trying to make models of these um, buildings, you see. So, and then the, the teacher would come round and he'd see a mistake, somebody made a mistake. And they'd say, okay, you know, Jim's made a mistake. Everybody come round, look, this is Jim's mistake. And he would laugh at it. <laughs> look, he got it wrong. And he'd go, oh, that's funny, yeah, it's really, really. And then the guy feel just so embarrassed. But then five minutes later, he'd say, come, Tom's made a mistake. We go and laugh at Tom. <laughs> and then Bill's made a mistake, because everybody makes mistakes. So after about half an hour you realise we all make mistakes <laughs> and it's, it's funny <laughs> you see what I mean it's wrong and yet you've learnt to <laughs> not get attached to that doesn't mean you want to make the mistake, same mistake again, but it means your faith is kept intact. And you think, yeah, no, no, I think I'll, that's the way I should do it. Because when you don't feel crushed and a failure, then your chanda is kept intact. Your chanda, your motivation. You know, I want to try to get this model right. I want to do this right. Just because I want to learn how to get it right. Then that, because that's what's needed to be done. So your chandra is, your motivation is still there. Your faith is still there. There is a way to do this. I feel I, I need to learn. And maybe you, you begin to sense more clearly, this is how you do it. Because to learn what you don't know, right? How can you learn what you don't know? You have to try trial and error, isn't it? Trial, error, no. Trial, error, no. 
trial. Not quite. Trial. Nearly. Oh, that's it. That's how you learn. Now, if that moment of error is marked with a wrong, you got it wrong, what does that do to your faith? Oh. What does it do to your chanda, your motivation? Oh, no. And these qualities, and there are quite a few of them, the Buddha mentions, these are the frames. Yeah. So we have the, these are called the idipadas, so this is chanda, which is motivation, desire, skillful sense of purpose, virya, the ability to apply one's energy, chitta, taking it into your heart, and we monks are turning it over, deliberating, then, oh, that wasn't quite right, I didn't feel that. And then if those four work together, then, oh, that was right, that did work out well. How was that? So this is how you learn, this is the process of learning. And uh, the, these idipadas can be applied to anything, really, to making an architect's model, to cleaning a kitchen, to making an item of clothing, to meditation. And it's the same process. You have motivation, and you have uh, application of energy, and you have taking it into your heart, chitta, and you have turning it over. How is this? How is that? And so we need to understand this. Uh, so we're framing it up. Okay, so application of energy, virya, it means knowing how much to apply at which point. How much energy to apply at which particular point. What I'm suggesting is you apply your energy to sustaining the mind. <laughs> Hold it steady. Hold it carefully. Apply energy to sustaining the mind. Holding it steady. Holding it carefully. If you hold that mind carefully and steadily, you'll do as good as you can. And you will have the property, the ability to learn. If you don't hold the mind steadily and with care and sympathy, you don't learn. It's as simple as that. If you hold the mind carefully and steadily, then you begin to see, oh, that's where it goes wrong, and you'll learn from the mistake. If you don't hold the mind carefully and steadily, you get things wrong. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, no, no, this is pain. Oh, you know, I, 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 I don't know why I can't. I, mean, I don't know why, but I just can't. I mean, it sounds so funny. I, 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 Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the telltale word, isn't it? I, 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 I. I may, I, I. When you get it right, well, that's about right. That's how it fits. Not I, but it fits like that. There's not, it doesn't have to be an I in it. It's just the joy of seeing something. That's, that's how it fits. Like that. Ah. 
happy. Easy. So you apply, I suggest when you hold your mind carefully, you really, on the watch, look out for feeling and perception. Because this is the first thing that knocks the mind. It's the only thing that knocks the mind, in fact. So your mind is there thinking, 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 thinking. How does it feel? Unpleasant. Okay. Right. And what do you do with unpleasant feeling? Don't go into the topic. Don't go into the topic that's creating the feeling. Go into the feeling. Unpleasant. Don't react. Don't get frightened. Don't lose your faith. Just widen your attention. Can you refer to your body? Get the complete thing. Steadily, holding it steadily. Let the agitated mind state roll through. Rather uncomfortable, admittedly. And then it fades out. And that's, that's the process. And this, particularly this piece where we have to basically bear with the unevenness of the mind as, we, as feeling touches it and it's stirred and it doesn't like that. And it's like water, turbulent water. And it's just hold steady, hold steady. Take a few breaths. Feel your feet on the ground or your seat on the cushion, shoulders back, hold steady. Let it roll through. This is the way I recommend for mindfulness. One, as the Sutta says, one knows this is the agitated mind, this is the nervous mind, this is the mind affected by love, affected by hate, this is the constricted mind. This is the unrestricted mind. It just says that. It doesn't say do anything about it at all. It just says, no, it is this. You step back. This is citta, doing this. That frame of reference by itself, if sustained, on the point of feeling, on the how is citta is being affected, that frame of reference itself will have its effects. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing, really, and goes so against the whole current of our of our normal training in life. You do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. Now, this isn't. It's not exactly not doing, but you're doing is the specific point of sustaining sati on a point and using your attention to flex and focus so that you can stay present with at the level of feeling, not getting into the thought, just how the thought is touching you, how the impression is touching you. That takes skill, because everything wants to go into the topic and start rehashing it. There's such a drive to go into those topics that we've probably thought about 50 times this week, (laughs) alone, and you haven't got to the end of it. And you may have thought about it a thousand times in this lifetime. You need to do it again. Could you just pull back an act of faith and 
that's, that's the effort to maintain that viveka. Frame it. It's not very gratifying, but it's the real thing. And it's humbling, but it's also liberating. And this is our process, you know? Remember, we're all like boats in the sea, the sea of the chitta. Sometimes there's a lot of storm coming through, sometimes it's blue water, nice and tranquil. Yeah? And the uh, uh, untrained mind looks at the ship and thinks, wow, it's great, look at those wonderful sails, massive sails, really impressive. But the trained mind says, where's the keel? <laughs> where's the keel? Where's, where's the thing that holds it in the water? That's the most important thing. Without that, the thing's going to just completely capsize. <laughs> and this is what we do, establish the keel, you know, that underneath the boat that holds it in the water. And then it rocks, but you stay steady. And this is our practice of sustaining sati.